Hi, my name is Titi Mutendi and you are listening to Enterprising Families Podcast. Welcome to the world of Enterprising Families where we discuss the issues of governance, next gen and looking at how families of wealth and family businesses growing into families of wealth can preserve their wealth, become better as they go forward into a new generation. Hi everyone and welcome to this episode of Enterprising Families and on this episode of Enterprising Families I am so excited once again to have with me Jay Hughes and he is going to be sharing with us about energy is is the most powerful tool of generational wealth and if you have listened to the podcast and followed us you'll find that we have had Jay on the podcast before and we had an incredible conversation and this is our follow-up to the conversation we did have before on the consciousness of understanding wealth and so today we're digging a little deeper and looking at the energy how energy is a powerful tool of generational wealth so welcome Jay. Well Sitsi thank you I'm delighted to be back with you and uh, with our audience and I'm looking forward to another energetic conversation. Absolutely. <laughs> and for those who didn't um, tune in into our last episode, I'm just going to ask you to introduce yourself once again and also just um, uh, give us a brief about our last conversation, any touching points you'd want to bring into this conversation concerning the consciousness of understanding wealth. Uh, well, Sissy, as you know, um, I have been practicing law uh, for 54 years. Uh, but not in the traditional way of uh, worrying about planning and taxes and uh, creditor protection. I'm really much more interested in the question of how families avoid the shirt sleeve proverb, uh, how they last for at least five generations. Uh, three would be good, four very good, but might be luck. But families who last for five generations, what are their... Uh, things that they do? How do they imagine? <clears throat> and I would say that coming back to our conversation last time, the awareness that a family is many capitals, uh, not simply its wealth as financial capital, but rather its wealth as well-being. And that when you look at wealth as well-being, which is the actual meaning of the word, um, you begin to understand that families are spiritual capital. They have a common purpose, let's say seven generations into the future, uh, having flourishing human beings. Social capital, they make great decisions together. They have a system to do that and they use it and it works. Intellectual capital, they are learning systems, constantly bringing in new information that each finds sharing them a little bit like uh, bees and ants, uh, and uh, then thriving human beings who mind, body, spirit individually are thriving and the family is seeking uh, to grow all those parts of itself. So I think that those are the things that we talked about last time and they are uh, critically important building blocks for a family to again, reach its fifth generation, go on successfully from there. Absolutely, absolutely. And they are so important um, and sometimes overlooked because, like you said, people for always focus on financial, 
but financial is probably if you looked at um, capitals as uh, the pyramid that is presented in Maslow's hierarchy of need, you find that uh, financial <laughs> is is probably at the top. It's an egotistical that is anchored down by all the other capitals, which um, are very important to the rise and the growth of financial capital. Yes. So when we are thinking of energy, um, I know we've had conversations around how um, everything around us is energy and um, uh, throughout uh, our interaction with the world around us, we push and pull energy and frequencies and they in turn then impact our experience of, of the world. And so when we think of energy as a tool for generational wealth, can you expand on that thought? Well, Cincy, I, I'm really uh, particularly glad this morning here and evening where you are uh, to be talking about this question, because I think it is not well understood uh, in our field <clears throat> from this perspective. In this universe, there are basically three fundamental ways that energy appears and disappears. The first, and these are different measures of heat. And the story I like, and I don't know if this is a universal story, but uh, we have the children's stories, which I think are always <clears throat> very illustrative. We have the children's story of Goldilocks and the Three Bears. Now, I don't know if everyone knows the story, but this is a story of a little girl who's wandering in the woods. Of course she is. And she comes upon a house, and it turns out that this is a house in which there are three bears living, a big papa bear, a lovely mama bear, a little baby bear. And while she's there, she discovers uh, some porridge to eat. She's hungry. And it turns out the bears have gone out for a walk in the wood and left their breakfast behind. And the papa bear's uh, porridge is too hot, burns her mouth. And the mama bear's uh, porridge is too cold and it, she can't stand it. The baby bear's porridge, on the other hand, is just right. The temperature is just right. So why am I starting with a children's story? Well, there are three basic ways that energy works in our universe. And they follow it follows principles of heat. Um, the papa bear's porridge in energy terms for a family is fission. It's too hot, it blows up. Fission is too much energy, boom. And then you have mama bear's porridge, which is too cold, which is inertia. Two objects resting next to each other, but no connection, profound cold. And then you have baby bear's porridge, fusion. One plus one makes three. The miracle of our universe is our sun. One plus one makes three. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's very interesting, isn't it? Mm. So you can have fission. Family gets into the newspaper when it blows up. That's actually quite rare. It's quite rare. What actually happens to most families is that they die from cold. They die from inertia. And people say, what is he talking about? Well, I'll give you a very quick diagnostic tool. 
for a family to find out how it's doing with coal. Let's assume that they're having a gathering <coughs> and uh, people are sitting out in a room. Uh, now let's do this a slightly different. Let's assume that it's just a group of strangers. We'll make it even more clear. A group of strangers sitting in a room and somebody like Jay Hughes and Sitsi Mutendi come up and sit in front and they say, oh, we'd like you to find out how your family is doing with respect to coal, with respect to inertia. People say, what are they talking about? And this is what we ask them. We say, without looking at your personal device, I'd like you to tell me whether you have the names and addresses and contact information of every one of your first cousins in your personal device. Now, Sitsi, it won't surprise you to know that in every room where I've done this exercise, only 40% of the hands go up. Now, why did I ask first cousins? Well, that's the third generation, isn't it? First cousins are the third generation, the grandchildren. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Then I ask a second question. I say, well, for those of you whose hands are still up, if just exactly this moment you called at random any one of your first cousins and said, hi, Cece, would she say, hi, Jay? 10% of the hands are up. 10%. Only 10% of hundreds of people that I've done this little exercise with can say that not only have they all their first cousins, in their personal devices, all their information. But if they called them up, they'd say, hi, Cici. Mm -hmm. Inertia. Inertia. This isn't because people are angry with each other. It isn't because they disagree. No, it's inertia. Two bodies resting next first cousins, no connection. Mm -hmm. Now that brings us then to the miracle of our universe, the just right porridge. Fusion. Hmm. What is fusion? I want to say this before, something that should be impossible. One plus one makes three. Fusion is energy that is controlled gently and which grows larger than the two entities that create it. That's the kind of relationship a family wants. It wants one plus one to make three. Mm -hmm. That's the miracle of our universe. That's mm -hmm. how the sun works. When the sun stops doing that, <laughs> it's going to get very cold or very hot. <laughs> but anyway, we aren't going to be around. Mm -hmm. But as long as our sun is kind enough to us to continue every minute to create fusion inside itself, mm -hmm. we'll be okay. So. See, I believe that the way to look at energy in a family is for the family to ask itself, are we adding energy? Now, uncontrolled energy, you know, we blow up. Mm. Not enough energy, we die from cold. Mm -hmm. Just the right amount of energy flowing in leads to one plus one makes three and fusion. Mm. And, and that's how we grow all the different capitals that we were talking about at the very beginning of our conversation this morning. Mm -hmm. We add to each of them gently. We measure them. 
we make sure that it's not too much energy. Well, too, let's say social capital. We don't start adding too much energy when already we're having terribly difficult conversations because we'll blow up. And in social capital, we make sure we're adding enough energy that we're having those difficult conversations safely. And if we're having the difficult conversations safely, then we will have fusion. We'll make good decisions. Or at least we'll make better decisions. And that building on each other, those better decisions, eventually will make good decisions. And then we have a fifth generation and we go on from there. Wow. Um, I, I love the, the explanation you've given as well as the analogy and how it's, it's, it's so fitting and so easy to look at and relate to because when we're thinking of our first cousins, we don't really think of it um, in actual perspective, which is it's a third generation. And um, we tend by that third generation to lose contact. And I know I've had conversations in the last week um, around the fact that there's certain actions as, as people, as families that we take for granted that lead to inertia. And one of those is probably the fact that we tend to rely on our memories to keep record of events and our memories to keep, keep record of um, life stories. So when I look at myself, I think um, my most clearest memory is that of my, of my parents and my experience of them. If I look to my grandparents, I know very little about them except the stories that I was told by my parents. Although I, I lost my uh, maternal um, grandparents a little later on in life when I was a bit older, but I didn't really get that time to, to hear their stories. They didn't keep journals. And so their whole life stories are lost in memory because my, my mom will probably remember my grandmother and her father and will share her experience of them, but it's never in their words. It's never their experience, but it's her experience of them and what she believed, her perspective of what they went through. And so inertia is so easy to happen in families because we take for granted that I'm blood related to this person and I can't wash away blood. So therefore I take for granted that they're always going to be there or their intellectual capital is going to be there. Their human resources capital is going to be there. Their spiritual capital is going to be there. When in reality, when we don't make conscious decisions um, to document, to preserve, to nurture, that energy dissipates over a period of time, it just dissipates yes. and it becomes inertia, like you said. And I would say that in the years that I have been privileged to help families, mm -hmm. and that's been really my entire adult life, uh -huh. um, and my father before me, who also did this work uh, as a lawyer slightly differently more interested in the businesses perhaps than in the families but uh, we did overlap we commented to each other how 
much, much more frequently, the families dissipated because of an inertia. Exactly what you just said. Mm. And yet that isn't what our field thinks. Mm. Our field thinks of fission mm. it, because it sells newspapers. Mm. But that isn't, the, it isn't what happens. Now, fission does happen a little bit like sons when they die, S-U-N-S, not S-O-N-S. <laughs> sons when they die. Mm -hmm. sometimes have a last flash and the Hubble telescope sees that. Mm. But it's the last flash. That bit of fission is simply because the sun has already died. It's just the last moment of energy. Poof. But the sun itself has already died. It's cold. It's done. Mm -hmm. Inertia is what we must be really, really careful to avoid. Mm -hmm. It's just as you said, it's not visible. It's momentary pieces mm -hmm. of the history and the stories and the reality that disappears. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and we need, just as you said so beautifully, we need the stories. They are our way. They are in the Chinese speak of the way, that, that core current that flows deep in the ocean that maintains life. Mm -hmm. Our stories are that current. Mm -hmm. When we lose our stories, the current gets choppy. We don't have the sustaining reality of who we are. And I might add, because I think this is an energetic principle too, I have long since given up thinking of families as blood. Hmm. I think of them as families of affinity. Mm -hmm. Affinity is the principle of positive relational connection other than by blood. Affinity is the word in 14 different arts and sciences of positive connection. And the peculiar thing about energy is that no family starts with blood. Of course not. It starts with two unrelated people. Mm -hmm. What they share is affinity. That's mm -hmm. the gen Genesis myth or the real beginning of every family, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Two people with an affinity. Mm -hmm. And then from that affinity, that energy, that positive connection, which is energy, mm -hmm of love, affection, mm -hmm. enhancement, help, grows that initial germ of affinity, of positive connection. And now you include, when the children come along, affinity. When they choose to partner, what are they doing? Affinity. There is no blood. Mm. Now, one of the things I teach is this. If somebody is having a family meeting mm. or some action of their family, and there's only one name at the top of the page, I tear the page up. I say, start over. 
Mm. Well, Mr. Hughes, what are you doing? Just well, I'm sorry. When There's only two, two names. Okay. There are always two names. So when you say only one name, do you mean the surname of the family or the yes. names of... Okay, yes. got you, got you. Because, because there isn't one name. Mm-hmm. Family has to be two or more people. That yes. is what Webster requires. Okay. Two okay. or more, not one. You can have a single person household, mm-hmm. but you can't have a single person family. There have to be two. Got you. So if there are two and you only have one name, what did you just do? You lost half your stories consciously. Wow. Yes. And the stories are that are that current that flows and sustains. Mm-hmm. So now you have to consciously regain those stories, but the name's not there. But just think of how different it is if both the names are there. Mm, 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 mm. And I guess the conversation has to start from acknowledging the fact that there's two people who've come together, two people, two histories, two people with true experiences, two people who've chosen to create, to co-create together um, this incredible uh, family, which now um, is coming together to discuss um, a continuation of their collective stories, because from the two, every other member of the family from the moment they're born has their own story and their story starts from the day of birth. Yes. And now think with that wonderful smile as you're imagining this, and it is a wonderful smile. Now, all of a sudden, the action of the quote married ins becomes clear. They're choosing to join us. The only ones who actually choose to join us are the married ins. And they will much more comfortably choose us if it starts with two names, because now their name gets included. I've always loved it when we're sitting around many families are sitting around fires. The thing we goes back to our ancestor great uh, uh, parts of us. And the most wise families on the earth, the tribes, yes. what do they do? They ask the elder, now that they're sitting around, to begin the meeting. Yes. And what, is the, what does the elder say? The elder says, let us hope that the care and wisdom and diligence we will bring to our decision-making today will be honored seven generations from today as we honor those seven generations ago who made it possible for us to be here. And then what does the elder do? The elder calls out the names of those who have left and brings them in. Wow. I love that. Naming the names. That's energy. Mm. You, bring, you bring all the energy together of those seven ahead, seven that are where we are, in fact, parts of. And then we name the names. Mm. Well, think for the married ends, how powerful that is, that they know that their name will be named. 
Absolutely. They know, they know that their history is a part of that history. Yeah, absolutely. It's, this is how human beings do family when they do it well. They, they, we live in the anthropology, not as some academic study. We live in the anthropology of human culture of how human beings and their communities thrive. Mm-hmm. And you can just from what you said, you can say you can tell from the wisdom of um, tribals. And when I say tribals, I mean that in the sense that when we think of tribals, we're thinking of ethnic tribes, we're thinking of those people who've held on to customs, traditions, and the the way we used to do things. And um, as, as much as we run towards the modernness and changing times and everything, we find that our spirituality, our grounding, our sense of, of self is rooted in our beginnings in the way we used to do things, the way we used to connect with the earth, the way we used to connect with nature and the universe. Um, Technology has created um, a divide where we tend to want to be hip and uh, popular and uh, very today, yet we forget that um, there was wisdom in the way um, we used to live our lives. And that connecting of um, and understanding and appreciating because there are a lot of cultures that in some places have been lost because people um, lose the essence of why we have culture. And I think asking that person in question, especially in families, why did we have this, um, this tradition? Why did we have this culture? May be an answer to a lot of families because we as human beings, we don't just do things. There's reason. And if we have done it for many generations, there's probably a deeper reason. And it may have changed with time because of other people trying to um, get their way or using culture and tradition as a scapegoat. But when we look at the core value of what led us here, what created the situation we find that there is immense value connectivity and there's an energy to it absolutely and to illustrate that for us at coming back to the place we started and we talked the last time words are how our consciousness expresses itself what we are thinking is what we say. Some would say we say and then we think. Some would say we think. It doesn't really matter. We express our consciousness through our words. So what do words mean? Well, words are all historic, just as you were saying. They have meaning that changes. I don't think, well, change, I disagree with myself. It evolves. Meaning evolves. Well, one of the key words for families is what does the word Wealth mean. Wealth actually means well-being. The, the actual original word underlying wealth is weol. It's an early English word, ancient word, that means well-being. Well, suppose a family is doing well and calling in that culture. It knows what the word wealth means. 
its culture supports well-being. So when it talks about wealth, it's not talking about money. It's talking about its spiritual, social, intellectual, human self. It's well-being. How are we doing? That great foundational question. And it has all of its history to rely on to support the question of how it did well before and how for another seven generations it will do well. It has all of that, those stories. It has those experiences to rely on. The tragedy of modernity, and it is a tragedy of modernity, is it, is it seeks to erase all of that knowledge. And that's a tragedy. It isn't that the past was better. It is that the past is a teacher. She's kind to us. Cleo, the, the muse of history, is kind to us. She's a wonderful lady. She simply asks us, remember, act with that awareness. Mm. And that's the energy of history, isn't it? It's mm. the energy of Cleo, the muse of history. She sits there with our, to help us and support us. Mm -hmm. um, I once uh, took a trip to one of our national archives and um, there was a, a big uh, plaque um, that uh, sits just outside the building that was um, put up many, many years ago, I believe. And it, it um, reads, we learn and preserve our future so that we can make decisions today and so that we can project how we live our future. So we learn about our past so that right. we can live today yes. and so that we can then make decisions for tomorrow. It shows you how interconnected our journeys are, how interconnected time is, how time to a certain extent is a human experience where we um, have to gauge our days by the sun and by the movement of the earth and the movement of the stars so that we can um, document. And when we fail to document, we fail to learn. When we fail to incorporate and include, we fail to learn. And when we do, we find a transformation that is incredible because even in families, we start passing on and instead of having inertia, we start creating that continuity because it's a thread that has continuity that identifies with where it's coming from, is living in its current and it's planning for its future. And that is fusion. Mm. Those, each of those pieces that you've mentioned and add one plus one makes three. We can use them. Yes. We we connect to that ancestor. Now that ancestor and we make three. We act together. Absolutely. They may be long gone, but the story, the tradition, the gift of that person continues. That energy flows. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so, so much, Jay, for this conversation. I am sure it has sparked so many thoughts and threads in so many people. And um, 
firstly, I would just like you to just give us your final word on, on your thoughts on how people can start creating this fusion, as well as um, how people can reach out to you and have, continue having this conversation. Well, Siti, I think the most useful thing I could suggest is that people begin to imagine, ask themselves very carefully, what is our purpose? And I would say, for me, the distillation of that in family is that purpose is the enhancement of the individual journey of each family member every day and in any way we can do. Anything we can do that advances the enhancement of each individual member of our family each day accretes and adds energy. And gradually over time, as we do that consciously, intentionally, the aspiration to have a fifth generation becomes an inspiration. We move our own aspiration to inspiration. We're now acting. Then we have to perspire, there has to be perspiration. And then we have a fifth generation that's flourishing. It's incremental energy added every day through the conscious awareness, what can I do to enhance that individual family member's journey of happiness? That's my distillation, because that's what I've seen great families do. By the way, that's also how you have a tribe like the Iroquois in America, which is about 600 years old, or the Yamamoto in Brazil, who are 1,000 years old. You find these remarkable human communities, mm -hmm. and you find that that's what they do. Mm. They don't survive, they thrive. Mm. I think it is there that we find the wisdom that we're seeking, and we can then begin to aspire, again, I'll say it a second time, aspire to be a fifth generation family, and then be inspired by that aspiration, perspire, and what's hidden in those words, it's in aspire, inspire, perspire, spire, spirit. Yes, yes. Right, right inside each of those words. And then you get spire spirit. Yes, yes, absolutely. Thank you once again so much, Jay. It's been a great, great privilege to share these two journeys with you. And I look forward to continuing this walk uh, as uh, our lives bring us into synchronicity. Thank you.